members remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Praise Yahweh and pass the ammunition. Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James. All right, I just posted the article, which is going to be the subject of tonight's study and probably several more. Uh, this is going to be the first of a series, which will probably be quite lengthy because the fact is that what I've discovered in the last couple of years, especially among non-seed liners, is that they have a prejudice against the sacred names. They do not, not want to pronounce the name of Yahweh. They do not accept it as a Hebrew word or Yahshua as the original name of our Messiah, Jesus. We're going to go into a great deal of linguistics. We're going to go into a great deal of historical analysis of the relationship between the Israelites and the surrounding nations, such as the Assyrians, the Arameans, and others, and how they pronounced words. And the problem is that there is a group of anti-Yahwists out there who are going so far as to claim that Yahweh is actually a demon and not the God of Israel. Okay, so we're going to go into this in great detail tonight. And I posted the link here. This is from I Saw the Light Ministries. And the title is The Sacred Names. And we're going to take this apart. We're going to take this apart very critically and show where this author has been leading people astray, especially non-seed liners of identity who have actually embraced the doctrine proposed in this article. And as far as I'm concerned, this is very, very clever misinformation, very, very clever misinformation. And it's very sparsely documented. It's largely only the author's personal opinion. Where he does cite documents, the documents are either Jewish or secular. uh, The secular brand of academics who hate the Bible. And and plus his personal opinion. And I will, you know, I will share you, with you my opinion of his opinions. This is going to be fun, folks. This is going to be lots of fun. So if you click on the link and you can go and look at this article and please read it for yourself. And I will uh, critique it uh, profusely here on Eurofolk Radio on the Restoration Hour. Uh, I have basically copied the website, the article that the author has written, and I'm 
I'm commenting on it. I'm going to publish this commentary in the near future, probably in a week or so. I've actually been working on this document for over two years. Number one, because I haven't had the time with the moving and the repair work I've had to do on my various properties in Illinois and now here in Harrison, Arkansas. A lot of time-consuming work uh, moving from one place to another and, and and keeping track of all my belongings, not losing stuff. All right, so hello, everybody in, in the chat room. Hold on. Invited caller here. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's get to it. This is the article entitled, well, the website is entitled "I Saw the Light." I saw the light ministries, and we will find out what kind of light this author has actually seen in his life or in his critique of the sacred names. So here we go. I'm going to be reading from my article. You can be following along on the internet. Just click on the link that I presented. Okay. And my retitling of this article is Yahweh is the Holy One of Israel or Apologia in Defense of the Sacred Names Yahweh and Yahshua. Okay, so I'm going to challenge his assertions heavily. I don't think uh, I, I don't think there's a sentence in this article that is going to be uh, that's relevant to the subject that is in fact accurate. Although he does make one or two accurate statements in the article. The first I I insert these these quotations as an introduction. Second Peter one nineteen Let everyone that nameth the name of God depart from iniquity, Exodus nine sixteen, and in every deed for this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Now is that name Yahweh? Or as the author asserts, Jesus. Hebrews two twelve saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the assembly will I sing praise unto thee. Psalms 30, and of course, Paul was referring back to the Old Testament. Psalms 34, 3, O magnify Yahweh with me and let us exalt his name together, which is what we Israelites should be doing. Psalms 86.9, All nations whom thou hast made shall come up and worship before thee, O Yahweh, and shall glorify thy name. So we better get the name right. Psalms 86.12, I will praise thee, O Yahweh, my Elohim, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. So the name of our God is a very, very important topic in Scripture. In Scripture. And so we better get it right. We absolutely better get it right. Before, uh, well, let me just continue with my introduction to this article. Before I start reading from it, I'm going to be using other commentaries as well. 
from uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4, and 9, 12. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. We did a show about this this morning, and we know that this is the Talmudic rabbi, the synagogue of Satan, the rabbinate itself, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they perceived not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. You have to love the truth, folks. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And even the non-seed liners are believing a strong delusion. They are believing a lie that Yahweh is not the name of our God and Creator, that they might all be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Thus spake Paul in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. What is this lie by which the Antichrist deceiveth the whole world? Revelation 12.9 There is abroad these days a sinister doctrine, a false idea proposed by a small number of independent Bible critics, none of whom are by any means Bible scholars or linguists, some of whom are undoubtedly agents of the beast system, that Yahweh, the God Elohim of true Israel, not the Jews who are impostors, is in reality a false god, or even Satan, or even a demon. Variations of this premise maintain that Yahweh is not his name, that he is actually a Canaanite god, that Israel borrowed from the Canaanites, etc. The most extreme attack on his holy name is that Yahweh is actually Satan in disguise. And to those who make that claim, I say, well, who created the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments in, in the Hebrew text. Well, if Yahweh is Satan, would he advise his people to act in righteousness? Would, would Satan invent the Ten Commandments? Would he punish evildoers? Would Satan do those kinds of things? As Yahshua said in the New Testament, if Satan does these types of things, how shall his kingdom fall? If Satan cast out Satan, how can his kingdom stand? It's nonsensical, folks. It's absolutely nonsensical what these people are saying. Let's continue. The first time I heard this claim, I laughed out loud and for good reason. The claim is based on multiple misunderstandings of both scripture and biblical history, plus mistaken views primarily of secular and Jewish origin, of the proper antiquity of Paleo-Hebrew, Proto-Canaanite, and Phoenician. And in both cases, we have false teaching from the rabbinate, the Jews, and we have false teaching from academia. The vast majority of academic, academics who are not actual Christian archaeologists or Christian scholars absolutely hate the Bible. And you have to realize this before you take their writings seriously. Continuing, even without some of the outrageous claims cited above, the Bible has always been the battleground of Christians versus Jews, secularists versus Christian archaeologists, 
secular versus Christian linguists, and more recently attacks upon Christian identity theology by Jews, Judeo-Christians, non-whites, and an ever-increasing motley assortment of self-proclaimed experts on Hebrew or Greek, or uh, sorry, Israelite theology, who seem to be crawling out of the woodwork in these last days. This apologia is an examination of one of the latter type. The false accusations and smear tactics are primarily aimed at identity theology, which has been around since the 1920s, and to a lesser extent at the British Israel doctrine, which emerged in the 18th and 19th centuries from a comparison of European history and the migrations of the 12 tribes into Europe. Now, it is a a historical fact of recent history that there has been a growth in the use of the sacred names by various groups, not just in identity, but by the uh, Hebrew Roots Movement. These are primarily Christians who want to re-establish the Hebrew uh, roots of the Bible. Most of these people, however, do not even realize that they are Israelites or Hebrews. They, They falsely assume that the Jews are the Hebrews and Israelites. But nevertheless, these people and many others, many other groups, uh, uh, many scholars are using the sacred names Yahweh and Yahshua in their writings, their contemporary writings. So there is actually a burgeoning growth of usage of the names Yahweh and Yahshua contemporaneously in contemporary literature, uh, videos, articles, you name it. It's growing. The 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 acceptance of these two names, Yahweh and Yahshua, is growing very rapidly, in fact. So in my opinion, the Jews who have never cherished the name of Yahweh, they absolutely hate the name of Yahshua in any form, whether it's Jesus, Jesus, Yezu, or any other version of Jesus, they absolutely hate that name. Anybody who thinks uh, who uses Jewish citations on this subject simply does not understand who the Jews are and really needs an education on who the Jews are. They are not Yahwists. They are anti-Yahwists. And I'm sure that the document I'm going to be quoting from has been, uh, how, how should I put it, uh, commissioned by the Jewish community because they're afraid that we Christian Israelites will adopt the sacred names Yahweh and Yahshua and and be connected to our creator, Yahweh. They're afraid of that. They're tremendously afraid of that. So let's continue. This plus the fact that CI has proven beyond any shadow of a doubt that only the Anglo-Saxon Caucasian people have fulfilled any of the hundreds of prophecies of the future exploits of the Israel people. This includes the prophecy that true Israel would forget their identity. Psalm 83.3, Isaiah 49.2, Matthew 13.44. Only to regain it in the latter days, Ezekiel 39.7, of the same chapter, Hosea 3.5. While the Jews pose as Israel until the judgment day, Matthew 13 verses 24 through 30. That is the parable of the wheat and the tares, 
where the tares are bound and burned just before the judgment day. And then right after they are burned, the Israelite wheat are reaped and gathered into the barn, which is, of course, the kingdom. Being an ardent conspiratologist, I smell an agenda, a Jewish agenda, a Talmudic agenda, which is designed to muddy the waters via the 2100-year campaign of dissimulation by the descendants of Cain and Edom. But Yahshua, the name of Jesus Christ in the Hebrew, told us to beware, and he said, And Jesus, answering them, began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, or I am Jesus, in this case, and shall deceive many. That's Mark 5 and 5 through 6. This is good advice for everybody, let alone Christians. Unfortunately, these warnings about deception by wolves in sheep's clothing are no longer preached from the pulpits of Judeo-Christianity because most of the pulpiteers are no longer Christians but the very apostates that Paul warned us about in 2 Thessalonians. Most, if not all, of these wolves in sheep's clothing have been trained in the art of deception by the combination of Talmudic deceit and Judeo-Christian apostasy. This latter development is the result of 110 years of Jewish intrigue and infiltration of the Christian churches and seminaries, beginning with the promulgation of the Schofield Reference Bible. Schofield was a charlatan, par excellence, who promoted various heresies such as the Rapture Doctrine, the Jews are Israel Doctrine, Dispensationalism, Antinomianism, etc. And these these doctrines have become more and more commonplace in the 20th century and the 21st century because they are promoted by agents of Jewry who are in the pay of Jewry, but they never admit. In other words, Goy, Goy operatives, such as the televangelists, posing as Christian theologians, but actually in the employ of Jewry. Let's continue. Schofield abandoned his wife and children and never even attempted to support them, even after being handsomely paid by the Rothschilds via Samuel Untermeyer, then the chief operative of the Rothschilds in America. In short, Untermeyer was Schofield's handler, just as Edward Mandel House was Woodrow Wilson's handler, as Bernard Baruch was FDR's handler, Kissinger was Nixon's handler, and Soros is today Biden's handler. The story of C.I. Schofield is easily available online. This bit of suppressed history is crucial to understanding how true Christianity gradually morphed into what is today called Judeo-Christianity, which is, of course, an oxymoron, a self-contradiction. There can be no such thing as Jewish Christianity. Judahite Christianity, yes, you have to know the terminology, but not Jewish Christianity or Judeo-Christianity. That is a contradiction in terms. Okay? Okay, so we, we see here, his uh, brother Eber says, his word is more important to have right than his name. Psalm 138.2 I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all above thy name. Very good. Yeah, the truth. The, the truth must be emphasized. And that's what we're going to get. We're going to get at the bottom of this anti-Yahwist doctrine that is being promoted by 
unfortunately, by many people within non-seed line identity. They have fallen for this trick that this article proposes. Okay, now let's get into the subject here. Yahweh versus Satan. These facts are important to know because those who teach that Yahweh is a Canaanite deity are unaware of much of this skullduggery, or they are part of this skullduggery. They seem to be unaware that Judaism is but Talmudic deception masquerading as Mosaism. They falsely believe and or teach that the Old Testament is a Jewish book. Given that this dissimulation must be firmly established before we proceed, because many people will be shocked and even angered by these revelations. Let's get a few Jewish admissions on the record so that the reader will not summarily dismiss these facts. The author of the document cites Jewish authors to make some of his claims, which shows his ignorance of who and what the Jews really are. So here are some statements by various rabbis and Jews so we know who and what we're dealing with. The late Rabbi Stephen S. Wise, chief rabbi of the United States, said, quote, The return from Babylon and the adoption of the Babylonian Talmud marks the end of Hebrewism and the beginning of Judaism. Now, there's a reason why you will not find the word Judaism contained in the Bible, because there was no such thing as Judaism in the Old Testament. Judaism did not come into being until the period of 121 B.C. to 70 A.D. when the Pharisees, who were primarily Edomites, installed by the Edomite Herod and his father Antipater, that's when Judaism began to be formed. Most Christians have no idea that this is the case. They believe the lie that Judaism is the religion of the Old Testament. It is not. Continuing, from a work entitled History and Destiny of the Jews by Dr. Joseph Castine, who is a Jew, Castine says, quote, Jewish life was regulated by the teachings of the Pharisees. The whole history of Judaism was reconstructed from the Pharisaic point of view. Presuming that Judaism has a history of into the Old Testament, which it does not. Pharisaism shaped the character of Judaism and the life and the thought of the Jew for all the future. It makes separatism, quote-unquote, its chief characteristic. Yeah, the, the rabbis want to keep the Jews separated from the goyim because they teach the Jews that they are superior to the goyim, whom the Jews are instructed to look down upon and consider to be non-human. That's you and me. Rabbi Louis Finkelstein of the Jewish Theological Seminary of America sums it up this way in his book, The Pharisees, The Sociological Background of Their Faith, which I have in my library. And I have The History and Destiny of the Jews in my library as well. Quote, Pharisaism became Talmudism. Talmudism became medieval rabbinism. And medieval rabbinism became modern rabbinism. Throughout these changes in name, the spirit of the ancient Pharisees survives unaltered. Okay, I'm hearing that clicking noise. Uh, I just want to double check because the last time I heard that clicking noise, I was booted off the air by some 
some power. <laughs> some power. Okay. Nevertheless, the the Bible clearly says that Yahweh is his name. And we want to be praying to the correct God. We don't want to be uh, praying to a lesser God. And that, that becomes idol worship. Okay, so we better have the right name if we're going to pray. And we better have the correct name of Jesus, since there was no letter J in any of the biblical languages, Hebrew, Greek, Latin, Assyrian, you name it, none of those languages ever had a letter J. And the author tries to insert the letter J into the Old Testament, which is one of the primary deceptions of his document. Very interesting deception that he he puts in there. Okay, let's continue. So apparently, uh, I'm still on the air. That clicking noise is not... Which uh, I was booted off the air a couple of shows ago when I heard that clicking noise. I guess it's just a a matter of uh, poor contact. All right, so let me repeat this. Pharisaism became Talmudism. Talmudism became medieval rabbinism. Medieval rabbinism became modern rabbinism. Throughout these changes in name, the spirit of the ancient Pharisees survives unaltered. Okay, so here we have proof from the Jews' own lips that what Christians call Judaism is really Pharisaism pretending to be the religion of Israel. That's what it is. Bernard J. Bamberger, the Jewish author of the story of Judaism. Quote, the Judaism of the rabbis is also called Talmudic because the Talmud is the creation of this period and the chief source of our information about it. We shall deal with this epoch in considerable fullness and for several reasons. First, Talmudic Judaism possesses in itself great interest and merit, so says the author, which have too often been obscured by ignorance and misrepresentation. Well, the fact is, the Jews do not promote the Talmud to the Goyim because they don't want to, the Goyim to know what's actually in it. So this is nothing but self-congratulation on the part of J. Bamber. We have, we have fooled the Goyim and they don't even know what Judaism really is. Second, traditional Judaism, especially on the side of observance, remains to this day very much as the rabbis of the Talmud left it. Not the priests of Moses... Not the priesthood of Israel, but the rabbis of the Talmud. Do you understand? The rabbis of the Talmud, which are definitely not the priests of Israel and or Judah. Third, the Talmud has been the chief authority in Jewish life. True, the Bible was theoretically, underline the word theoretically, the ultimate authority, but the Bible was understood as the Talmud interpreted it. On the other hand, later codes were accepted only insofar as their decisions were in accord with the Talmud. That's Judaism in a nutshell, folks. The Talmud rules over the Torah. Although they will, de- they will deceptively refer to the first five books of Moses as the Torah and also to the Talmud as the Torah. 
deception par excellence. Jacob Neusner, a Jew, published an essay in the March 1985 issue of Midstream entitled Why the Talmud of Babylon Won in describing the Mishnah, especially if there are any non-seedline identians listening, pay attention. If there are any so-called Hebrew roots people listening, pay attention. Why the Talmud of Babylon Won in describing the Mishnah which was pre-Talmudic tradition, he states, quote, So a book was holy because in style, in authorship, or in alleged origin. It continued scripture. In other words, it added to scripture. It is not scripture, but it continued scripture. Understand? It is not scripture, but it quote-unquote continued scripture or added to it, which is profess, uh, precisely forbidden by Moses in Deuteronomy 4.2, thou will not add or subtract from the, word, the written word uh, that I have written in this holy Bible. Deuteronomy 4.2, read it for yourself. Finding a place, therefore, at least in the author's mind, he's, I think he's referring to the authors of the Talmud, within the canon or because it provided an exposition on Scripture's meaning. Okay, in other words, it, op- it provided a rabbinical opinion. That's all it did. But the Mishnah made no such claim. It entirely ignored the style of biblical Hebrew, speaking in quite a different kind of Hebrew altogether. Yeah, the, the square block Hebrew that the Jews use today. It is silent on its authorship through 62 of the 63 tractates. The claims of Abbot, a generation later than the rest, pose a special problem, whoever Abbot is, A-B-O-T. In any event, nowhere does the Mishnah contain the claim that God had inspired the authors of the document. Hebrew roots people, pay attention. Above all, the Mishnah contains scarcely a handful of exegeses of Scripture. Those where they occur ordinarily play a trivial and tangential role. Yet just about every Judeo-Christian believes that the Bible is a Jewish book and that they don't even know about the Talmud. Here these Jewish authors are admitting the distortions of the Bible committed by the rabbis. Quote, but the Mishnah was and is law for Israel sick, that is SIC for the Jews, not because they still claim to be Israel. They have to fool the world into believing that they are Israel, even though they defy the Bible. It entered the government and the courts of the Jewish people, both in the motherland, wherever that is, Kazaria, <laughs> Edom, and also overseas, as the authoritative constitution of the courts of Judaism. Yeah. Their law is Talmudic, not biblical. The advent of the Mishnah therefore marked a turning in the life of the nation religion. But as soon as one dealt with the Jewish government in charge of everyday life, went to court over the damages done to a crop by a neighbor's ox, for instance, one came up against a law in addition to the law of Scripture. There it is right there, folks. One came up against a law in addition to the law of Scripture, a document the principles of which governed and settled all matters, 
not the Mosaic law, not the laws of Yahweh, but the opinions of rabbis. So the Mishnah rapidly came to the forefront of the life of the Jews. And there was never any such thing as Mishnah for the Israelites of the Bible. Continuing with the quote, the people who knew the Mishnah, the rabbis or sages, came to dominate that life and their claim in accord with the Mishnah to exercise authority and right to impose heavenly sanction or perfidious sanction came to perplex. Indeed, why? Because all these different rabbis had different opinions. Which rabbi do you believe? Here the crisis is fully exposed, unquote. One more sentence here. The Mishnah therefore made necessary the formation of the Talmuds, its exegetical companions, which are essentially the written version of the Mishnah, which was not composed until after the Jews were kicked out of Palestine around 70 AD, and they put it together for the next thousand years. The Talmud is very recent compared to all biblical literature. Okay, so, and continuing with my writing and commenting on these things, this statement by Neusner confirms a prediction by Paul that a certain entity would in all deceivableness assume the position of God by pretending to have authority over the scriptures. Rabbi Ben Zion Boxer, Judaism and the Christian Predicament, states, quote, this is not an uncommon impression, and one finds it sometimes among Jews as well as Christians, that Judaism is the religion of the Hebrew Bible. It is, of course, a fallacious impression. Judaism is not the religion of the Bible. Capish, Comprende? But no Judeo-Christian will ever quote these things. No Jew will ever quote these things publicly. This is for Jewish ears only. And you must be deceived. Now from a couple of Christian commentators before we get into the document under study. Summarizing all of the above, David Chilton in an article entitled, quote, The Beast and the False Prophet of Revelation 13, quote, it is important to remember that Judaism is not Old Testament religion, but rather a rejection of the biblical faith altogether in favor of the Pharisaical Talmudic heresy. That is so well said. Like many modern cults, it claims to be based on the Bible, but it's actually its actual authority comes from the traditions of men. Jesus was quite clear. Judaism denies Christ because it denies Moses. See Matthew 5, 17, 20, 15, 1 through 9, Mark 7, 1 through 13, Luke 16, 29, and many others. From the June 1985 issue of the Foundation Commentator, it's so rare to have a mainstream Christian expose things in this manner. Ernest L. Martin in the October 1984 issue of the Foundation Commentator, tells us about the Pharisees in relation to the Mosaic Law. Quote, Pharisaic beliefs were annulling many of the commandments of Moses and teaching the people that they did not have to obey Moses any longer. So many new and contradictory teachings 
had entered the mainstream, as we have found in these latter days, so such as the rapture, such as antinomianism, we have the same thing happening today, coming from the Pharisees and their agents, the Judeo-Christian pulpit masters. So many new and contradictory teachings had entered the mainstream of Judaic belief that even top Jewish scholars today are honest enough to admit that the Judaism of the Second Temple period, which was not Judaism, the Mosaism of the Second Temple period, had drifted far from observing the written commandments of the Old Testament. Their traditions had made void much of the word of God. This fact is echoed clearly in the statements of Christ and the Apostles Unquote. And from the Gospel of Luke, Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. That's Luke 12.1. If you don't know that Phariseeism and Judaism are one and the same thing, you do not know Scripture. You do not know the history of your people Israel. Now, a disclaimer, I'm going to do uh, an extended version tonight. I'm going to do 90 minutes because this introduction is fairly long, and I do want to get into the document. I make the statements in the above introduction in order to warn people that any biblical commentator who is not aware of Judaism's imposture as Israel can only be the victim of Jewish deceit, which the author and the you know, the promoter of the I Am the Light, uh, I Saw the Light website is. He is a victim of Jewish deceit, doesn't know it. Hence, his comments must be understood as proceeding from great ignorance concerning the true identity of the Jewish people and their so-called expertise about the Bible. We will now begin to critique an article which has influenced a few people, even in identity circles, concerning the true name of God, Yahweh, and his son, Yahshua. Having thoroughly perused the article on I Saw the Light website, it became immediately obvious that the author, who is unnamed, is not of the Christian identity persuasion, and furthermore takes rabbinical claims about the Bible seriously. This means that he, I use the word he because I listened to one of his sermons on his website and it was clearly a masculine voice, is a Judeo-Christian who believes that the Old Testament is a Jewish book. I will not hold this against him as there are many Christian theologians who do not understand that Judaism is Talmudism and as such, as shown above, cannot be considered to represent the true teachings of the Old Testament. But it is a strike against him as a commentator on the Bible, that he does not realize who the Jews really are. So you have to know who the Jews really are if if you want to understand the Bible. There's simply no doubt about that. Yeah, people in the chat room are talking about the, uh, there was no apple (laughs) in the the garden. That's that's a Judeo-Christian myth. Yeah, Mr. Lily says it was a pear that fell onto the ground, right? Okay. And Brother Abraham says, forbidden fruit creates many jams. Yeah, well, if if you have a, a bunch of crushed pears or apples or peaches, what do you do with them? You make a jam, right? We're in a jam. We're in a theological jam, folks. Let's continue. Unless a given critic or commentator is aware of the true nature of Judaism and its pretense of being the religion of the Bible, their commentary and analyses are useless, which is true of almost all Judeo-Christianity, 99.9% of Judeo-Christianity. 
It's like an auto mechanic lecturing on nuclear physics or vice versa. Unless you are an expert at both, only false and nonsensical statements can result. As I like to say, there are three things you need to understand. One, Jesus was not a Jew. He was a Judahite. Two, the Bible is not a Jewish book. It is an Israelite book. Three, the Jews are not Israelites. They are Edomites, Canaanites, and Khazars, all of which carry the blood of Cain in their veins. Unless one understands these three basic premises, only confusion and error can result. And the fact is, a lot of non-seedline identians know these things. Yet they have taken this document seriously and have repeated the lies of this author. That's extremely distressing to me that they would repeat these lies because they have a prejudice against the name of Yahweh. And a lot of this prejudice comes from their, uh, often the uh, Baptist and Catholic background that they baggage that they carry around with them even today that they don't want to give up. They don't want to practice the Hebrew feast days. Uh, they don't want to... <laughs> They don't want to admit that the food laws are still in effect, etc., etc. Okay, so there is, there has been uh, for a very long time a major disconnect between the non-seed liners and the two seed liners, and that still exists today. Very much so, from my personal experience, I say these things. I repeat the last sentence. Unless one understands these three basic premises, only confusion and error can result. So, with this basic understanding in mind, let us proceed to diagnose this strange idea that Yahweh is not the true name of the Creator. An even more bizarre claim that Yahweh is actually Satan in disguise. Really bizarre, folks. I saw the light, the author says. And I'm referring to this author because he is not named. He does not name himself, which is very suspicious to begin with. Why does he not identify himself? Is he not afraid to stand up for his beliefs? Is he afraid to be challenged? Which light, I ask? The light of Lucifer or the light of Yahweh? When I first heard about these claims, I asked, where did you get these ideas from? This is the website that I was directed to. And, of course, this is I saw the lightministries.com forward slash sacrednames.html. We will now analyze the argument contained therein. The web page above is given so that the reader can access its complete form. Given that the document is 72 pages long, I will comment only on the most salient points so as to keep this critique as brief as possible. Actually, I wound up covering 44 pages of it. My comments will be contained in brackets and italics. Also, the quotations provided by myself as evidence, as evidence against this anti-Yahweh thesis will be italicized, but in a smaller typeface, so that they stand out. So I will have this document ready to go in the very near future, hopefully within the next week, but I, I have to make a trip back to Illinois for the next few days, so my time this week, my time is limited. But I would say within the next two weeks, I will have this document available. 
So now we're getting into the version that you have available to you, which I posted in both Telegram and Eurofolk Radio. And the author says, What is the name of the Almighty Creator? Jehovah? Yahovah? Yah? Yehovah? Yahweh? Y-H-W-H? Yahshua? Yeshua? Or Jesus? Or what? Okay, fair question to begin to begin the article. Then he says, step one, pray now. Step two, open your Bible now. I could say the same thing, can't I? Step three, read the article with your Bible. Actually, you should. Open your Bible now and read the article with your Bible because you will find that what this author is saying is not true. Step four, fast and pray more, which is always good advice. This article is important to everyone, Pentecostals, Protestants, King James only advocates, Catholics, Hebrew roots followers, sacred names believers, Torah followers, Jewish, Jehovah Witnesses, and even Muslims. I doubt that it's important for Muslims. Although I found out today during uh, the Genesis to Revelation show that one of the words for the word one of the words for exalted in Hebrew is Allah. Allah. Uh, that's obviously where the the Muslims got the name of their god, the exalted one, Allah. That's a Hebrew word meaning exalted. So the more you keep studying the word, the more you find these things out. Okay. If you use any of the following words, this article will be very important to you. Jesus, Hallelujah, Jehovah, Yehovah, Yah, Yahweh, Yeshua, Yahshua, or YHWH. What is the name of the Creator? Jehovah Witnesses say His name is Jehovah. Hebrew Roots Movement groups proclaim the Yah names. They claim that there was no letter J in the Hebrew. Most English-speaking people proclaim Jesus' name. Well, the fact that they claim there was no letter J in the Hebrew is true. There was no letter J in the Hebrew. And I will profusely document this fact from various quarters. From people who are not Christians, Hebrew scholars who have really no interest in what God's name really is. They also say there was never a letter J. There was never a letter J in the Greek. There was never a letter J in the Latin. There is no letter J in the German, which is an offshoot of the Hebrew language. So right off the bat, the author is casting doubt on the claim that there was no letter J in the Hebrew, which there was not. Most English-speaking people proclaim Jesus' name. So, my comment here in the document. Right off the bat, the author poo-poos the idea that the letter J was not in existence in the Hebrew language. But this is one of the most egregious errors that the author makes. I will refer to the author as anti-Yahwist, or A-Y for short, as he does not identify himself. Here is a quick argument against his proclamation. From an article which I, which I inserted, which he does not quote. When was the letter J invented, and was it before Jesus? Writing and speaking tips by Martin Lassen, L-A-S-S-E-N. 
Some of you may be aware that the letter J is one of the more recent additions to our alphabet. But when was it invented? And what was the language like before it came into existence? When was the letter J invented? The letter J was invented for the Italian language by a man called Gian Giorgio Trissino in the year 1524. Now, of course, A or AY denies this. But his attempt to deny it is filled with error, as we will soon see. It was used in Roman numerals, but back then it was an alternative way of writing I, the letter I, not its own letter. Before the letter J, Jesus' name was pronounced Jesus. It's still pronounced that way in Germanic, folks. It's still pronounced that way in Greek, and it's still pronounced that way in Latin. A actually tries to argue that the letter J did exist in B.C. times, but he is the only person in the world, to my knowledge, who makes this claim. Yes, the only one. I've done Internet searches to find any other one person who makes this claim. He is the only one. So either he is right and everybody else is wrong, or vice versa. AI or anti-Yahwist is definitely out on a, on a limb. We will find out later on whether the promoter of I Saw the Light is able to sustain this claim. I will present a thorough refutation of his main arguments as we go on. Con continuing now with anti-Yahwist. What is the real truth? Are we damned if we use our modern native language instead of uh, the ancient Hebrew language? Uh, People have asked me that uh, directly. I say, no, we're not damned. Uh, if you sincerely believe that Yahshua's name is Jesus and you are engaging and believe in the same Yahshua that I believe in, no, you're not damned. You're addressing the same person. Whether you address Yahweh as God or Fred, doesn't really matter as long as you're addressing the same God that we are, the God of the Hebrew Bible, and no other God, no other creator. Of course, he is the only creator. That's one of the differences between the Israelite religion and the religion of the Canaanites. The Canaanites have always had a pantheon of gods and goddesses where Israel, apart from all other religions in the ancient world, had one God exclusively. One God exclusively. This is what separated the Israelites from the rest of the world in ancient times, and pretty much still does so. But we have different names for his son, Jesus, Yahshua, Yezu, Jesus in Spanish, etc. He asked the question, is a person damned if they do not accept the Hebrew names? No. Are the Yah names truly Hebrew? Yes. What is the total truth about the sacred names issue? We will find out. Must we do away with the name Jesus? No. Must we stop using the titles God and Lord? Well, since they are false translations of Hebrew words, God has taken the place of Yahweh, and so has Lord taken the place of 
The King James Bible falsely translates YHWH as L-O-R-D. Falsely assumes that the word Elohim, which is a a plural word for gods, is the God of the Hebrew Bible. It is not. That word Elohim is a multifarious word, has many different definitions. Elohim is not the Hebrew God. It's a title. A title only. What does hallelujah and Jehovah mean? Well, it's a good question. The word hallelujah has always been pronounced hallelujah, not hallelujah or hallelujah Jesus or hallelujah J with a J sound ever. Even if it is spelled with a J, it has always been pronounced hallelujah, which is a very good argument against the author's premise. What name did Moses write? Well, he wrote YHWH, as virtually every Hebrew scholar acknowledges, except anti-Yahwist here on this website. So here are my uh, comments on what he just wrote here. And we're approaching really close to the end of the hour, but like I said, I'm going to go 90 minutes today because this is a very important subject. We need to cover this topic very, very thoroughly. And I'll just take a quick peek in the chat room. And then I will be taking questions after the show. <laughs> Dr. Seuss, Dr. Jesus, right? Well, Jesus is actually how it was originally pronounced in Latin. It was pronounced Jesus. Recall the plaque that Pontius Pilate nailed above the cross where Jesus was crucified. Freebird says, my Bible is upstairs. Well, go get it. <laughs> the author of this article, anti Yahweh, demands that you get it and look through it, right? We'll see what, uh, what quotations he makes out of the Bible and what his sources are for his arguments. We will find that they are very slim, almost non-existent. It amazes me that anybody can take this type of work seriously given its actual lack of documentation. We will find this out as we go through this. Let's continue. So here is my commentary on what he has just said. There are radical Yahwists who say that those who do not use the sacred names Yahweh and Yahshua are lost and must be rebuked. These people are a fringe group. And actually this fringe group has done a lot of damage to Christian identity by demanding that you must use their their pronunciation, no less, which often varies. They, they, they pronounce it Yahoshua, Yahweh, Jehovah, etc., etc. Their pronunciation varies. And we're not going to be concerned so much with pronunciation, but we will be concerned with spelling. These people are a fringe group who insist that using the names Jesus and God is heresy. I am not one of them. I'm a moderate on this position. I have personally borne the brunt of their scorn. I am a moderate on this issue as I understand that when unfamiliar terminology is used, the argument must be based on logic, not peremptory condemnation, which a lot of these sacred namers do. The ones who are really radical and reject any other names but Yahweh and Yahshua. 
My basic position is this. Since we Anglo-Saxons, Caucasians, Celts, and Brits are the true descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we should embrace our Adamic, Shemitic, Hebrew heritage and not regard it as Jewish, or just as importantly, not disregard it as unchristian. We should embrace our past languages, get to learn them and know them, because this will increase our knowledge of the scriptures, will they not? Just as the Judeo-Christian denominations refuse to go into the history of the Bible and have no inclination to open up a concordance and study scripture accordingly, we must, as Israelites, Christian Israelites, do likewise. That is, get into the, our background, our Hebrew, Christian, Israelite, Judahite heritage. If we reject our heritage, then we are disobeying Scripture. The book says, Isaiah says, Look back to your father Abraham and your mother Sarah. Because why? Because they are your ancestors. They are your granddaddy and grandmother. And they spoke Hebrew. (laughs) Not English. They spoke Hebrew. Not Latin. Or Aramaic, or Assyrian, which the author claims is the original language of the Hebrew Scriptures. He actually claims that Assyrian is the original language of the Hebrew Scriptures. Folks, I'm going to prove how absurd that claim is. Most Christians have zero knowledge of the etymological history of biblical terms. Etymology is the study of the development of words from their origin and how they developed over time, even in its own language and into other languages. That's etymology. The etymological history of biblical terms, and this is a most significant fact. Yes, most modern-day Christians have no interest. The denominations have no interest. I leave it up to the Christian Israelites' own discretion as to how to proceed with such knowledge. Honey is sweeter than vinegar. (laughs) And we need more honey in our diagnoses, even if we're diagnosing the words of a Jew-loving Judeo-Christian. That's what he is. He's definitely a Judeo-Christian. So we should take his words with a grain, or maybe I should say a pound of salt. Life is hard enough without having to be condemned by heavy-handed critics who think they know it all, which is kind of like his attitude at, up to this point in time. He said, oh, all oh, those people who think there was no letter J, those silly people. We're going to find out that the world is full of these silly people, and there's only one person that I can find who doubts it, who challenges them, and that's anti-Yahwist. On the other hand, the world is full of fatherly and motherly advisors who, with reassuring words, tell big, fat lies. Okay? Back to Antiyahuist. He says, If you have been dealing with these issues, you owe it to the Almighty Creator and to yourself to read this entire page, which is 72 pages long, and to do much fasting and much prayer. 
Well, given the fact that I've spent two years dissecting these arguments, I have fasted and prayed plenty. And folks, I am not impressed. This will be one of the most important decisions of your life. Yeah, whether you accept the words of a complete outsider who has no background in linguistics, no background as a Hebrew scholar, no background as a as a preacher at all, except this website? Yes, you better believe that this is going to be an important decision. And I include here, such language makes me suspicious. The author is trying to convince you of his sincerity and acumen with such appeals. It is an emotional appeal. Yahshua, that is Jesus, never made such appeals. He was always straightforward and to the point. We will see if the warnings and appeals made in this essay are warranted to continue. To keep things simple, he says, and easy to understand, I highly recommend that you first read through the entire article slowly without clicking on any of the links. Then go back and read it again, clicking on the links that you are most interested in, which document and prove, he says, he's claiming that the links he he, uh, suggests document and prove his contentions. And I have found by clicking on those links, they do not prove what he's saying. He either misunderstands those documents and links, or he misrepresents them. In many cases, very flagrantly. Okay? So here he is trying to convince you of his honesty and sincerity, and I have found it to be otherwise. Okay? Many of the underlined words are also links to provide it to provide documentation and proof what of what each statement says. Missing word here. Everything is documented and proven. Only facts are presented. And I insert here, this remains to be seen. And I have found no evidence that he documented any of his claims and proved or proved any of his claims. If you want to get deeper into the study, you can go back and click on every link to see every bit of the evidence. Yeah, well, you can see what he considers evidence. I urge you to not discount and reject this article without first examining all the evidence that I present in the entirety of the article. I clicked on all the links. I read them all. I analyzed them, and I found his analyses to be wanting, very badly wanting. But first, understand what is being said. It's best to first just read the article and then later go back and examine the source links. Well, you can do that if you've got time. I just read through it once and looked at the links because, you know, this topic is something that I'm very familiar with and I have written at least a couple dozen articles on the history of the sacred names and the Hebrew origin of the yad heh vad vav which is called the Tetragrammaton. And I have uh, I have debated several uh, uh, skeptics and doubters so let's continue, which it doesn't sound like uh, anti-Yahwist has done any, uh, has gotten any negative feedback or consulted anybody that doesn't agree with him. Okay, let's continue. What is traditionally taught? Most people are taught that in the original Old Testament, the name of the Creator appeared as YHWH or perhaps YHVH. 
And then people add vowels between each letter in order to translate it into either Yahweh, Jehovah, or some other variation of the Y names, such as Yehovah, Yahshua, Yeshua, etc. All of these names and hundreds of variations are based upon the letters of YHWH and JHWH. And this is why many people believe that Jesus should be written as Yeshua or some other Y name variant. Well, yeah, that is the reason why. Because the Yad-Heh, Vav-Heh, is, there is a Y. There, uh, the H is actually written a kind of like an E, a backwards E. And it's pronounced Yahweh. But there is another version of the translation, Ea, Esher, Ea. We'll get into that as well, because he does bring it up. So, my comment on this last statement. This statement is essentially correct. But the idea that there are hundreds of variations is an exaggeration. Ironically, Anti-Yahwist is trying to provide one of those variations by claiming that the Hebrew Yahweh should be spelled and pronounced J-S-U-S. That's what he's going to argue. This is going to be the most pronounced claim of his article. Even though hundreds, nay, Thousands of scholars have asserted that there is no J in the Hebrew alphabet. And there was no letter pronounced like a J in the Hebrew alphabet. He's the only dissenter. So should we trust a lone dissenter? Let's continue. The very first thing we need to understand is that when you go to school in Israel, he, he assumes that the, that Kaikistan is Israel, is Israel, right? So that should throw up a, a red flag to any identian that he doesn't know, even know that the Jews aren't Israelites. Can you trust any document written by a person who doesn't know that the Jews aren't Israel? Even non-seed liners should be suspicious when they read this line. They teach you that the language of the Jews is not the original Hebrew language. Well, what the Jews teach is irrelevant. <laughs> it's what the Bible teaches. That's what is important. So obviously, anti-Yahwist is assuming that the Bible is a Hebrew, or rather Jewish document, as opposed to an Israelite document. He just doesn't know. So this is a, a great level of ignorance on his part. And that throws up a red flag. What can this person really know about the Bible if he doesn't even know that? Although he does, later on in the article, throw a, a couple of bones at the Christian identity movement, probably just to ingratiate himself with us. But here, you know, whatever they teach in Kyrgyzstan is not of any interest to us. The style of writing letters is also not original Hebrew. That's, that's, that's correct, because the rabbinate, the, the Pharisees that I spent a great deal of time talking about, he does not understand that uh, the Talmud and the, the Masoretic texts are actually a Pharisaic, not Hebrew document. They adopted the square block Hebrew letters, and they redacted the Old Testament to create the Masoretic text. He does not show any awareness of that either. Continuing, 
as historical records show and as they teach you in school in Kyrgyzstan, the style of writing and the alphabet is called the Assyrian script. Now, here's one of the links that he provides. He provides that you can open up this link. It's a Kavad Lubavitcher website. And this is where he gets the idea that the original language of the Bible is Assyrian instead of Hebrew. This is where he gets this idea from a Kabad Lubavitcher, no less, from Israel. So this is his documentation, folks. This is documentation. Let's continue reading. This is because when Israel was taken captive by Babylon thousands of years ago in the B.C. years, the original true Hebrew language called Paleo-Hebrew was banned by Babylon, and so was the original true name of the Creator. Well, there's actually no evidence that the name of the Creator, Yahweh, was banned in Babylon. Certainly, the Judahites who were taken captive to Babylon may have forgotten a lot of Hebrew. But the the vast majority, at least the ones who came back in the return, maintained their true faith and the true name of Yahweh. They maintained the law, the Mosaic law, and came back as God-fearing, Yahweh-fearing Judahites, Benjaminites, Levites, plus a smattering of some members of the other ten tribes. And the Bible clearly says that their captivity to Babylon was for their own good. And when they returned, they created a golden age of Mosaic law within the house of Judah. You're not going to learn this from the Jews or from any Judeo-Christian folks, and certainly not from anti-Yahwists who basically is accepting the Jewish version of the captivity in Babylon and obviously has not done any research into it. Okay. So, but he says, these Israelites were forced to learn, speak and write the Assyrian language and Assyrian script, which both the Assyrian Empire and the Babylonian Empire used. Now, this last sentence is totally false. It has no validity whatsoever. The fact is that the Judahites who were taken captive to Babylon, many of them retained the Hebrew language, did not adopt any new script. They they used the same script that was written by Moses and Manasseh and Ephraim and all the prophets. They retained the same script. But the people in general were forced to adopt in order to communicate with their uh, Judah, sorry, with their Babylonian neighbors and later with their uh, neighbors of the, uh, not the, the Syrians, which was Aramaic. They picked up Aramaic because the Babylonians were overthrown by the Medes and Persians, whose language was Aramaic. Assyrian does not come into this history at all. 
anti-Yahwist is simply taking the statement of a rabbi, a Kabad Lubavitcher, as the gospel truth of this era, because this is where he gets this idea from. Can you believe it, folks? Believe it. That's where he gets this ridiculous idea from. We're going to explain the difference between Aramaic and Assyrian as we go along. Okay? So this is really a half-baked proposition by anti-Yahwist because he has believed several Jewish lies to believe this proposition. Number one, he believes the Jews are the Hebrews and Israelites. Number two, he believes the Kabad Lubavitchers are telling the truth about the Assyrian language. And several other, he believes that the modern-day Jews are still the same Israelites of the Old Testament. No, 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 no. Give me a stinking break. So this is how his article begins. You should have many red flags up in the air already that this person is not an expert on the Bible. And we will find out more and more that he is not. Let's continue. We'll go to 8.30 today. Here, I must insert a detailed criticism. This is my commentary on this last paragraph. Unfortunately for Antiochus, he makes several false-slash-misleading statements. One, since the Jewish people are not the Israel of Yahweh, what is taught in the abomination of desolation, that is, Kykistan, is irrelevant. Also, the modern block Hebrew script is a rabbinical invention which cannot be applied to Paleo-Hebrew. That's a Jewish invention, not an Israelite or Judahite invention. Two, the Assyrian language was never spoken or written in Babylon. That's a Kabad Lubavitcher lie, which Antiochus has swallowed whole. Hook, line, sinker, rod, reel, and fishing boat, he has swallowed it whole. No Judahites were ever forced to speak that language. Daniel communicated in Hebrew. And certainly Ezra and Nehemiah maintained fully their knowledge of Hebrew during the captivity. Certainly some of the rank and file of the Judahites in Babylon did lose their Hebrew language, but it was replaced by Aramaic, which is a sister language of Hebrew, not related to Assyrian at all, as I will prove. The assertion by Antiochist is one of the grossest errors he makes, because he gets this nonsense from a Hasidic source, supposing that Hasidic Jews are the descendants of the Judahites. Wow. Three. Furthermore, Antiochus is relying on Talmudic pronouncements when he makes this claim. Such claims, as proven in the introduction above, have no bearing on the Hebrew Bible, as Talmudism is the denial of biblical mosaism. Rabbinism is the pretense of biblicism. 
Therefore, it is wholly unproductive and fruitless to base any historical argument on the opinions of the rabbis, especially Kabad Lubavitchers, who are the worst of the lot. Antayawis is asserting as historical fact a very broad and misleading rabbinical commentary. From the website that A cites here, AY being Antayawis, we read, and I quote, B, it was taught, Rebbe said, in Talmudic literature they call themselves Rebbe, R-E-B-B-E or R-E-B-B-I instead of A-R-A-B-B-I as we do. It was taught, Rebbe said, quote, Torah was originally given to Israel in Ashurit script, meaning, of course, Assyrian. When they sinned, it was changed to Roetz, Ivri, meaning Hebrew script. When they repented, Ashurit script was reintroduced, unquote. This is the source that Antiochus claims as being reliable, Proven, documented fact. This absolute nonsense by a rabbi. That's his claim. It's a rabbinical claim, period. That's all it is. This is what Antiochus asserts is absolute proof, folks. Are you beginning to sense how bad this article really is? How bad his arguments really are? Let's continue. I comment, this is rabbinical nonsense. I will have more to say about Assyrian script later on. Hence, Antiochus is making a statement about scripture which is nothing but rabbinical rubbish. I would have to think that Antiochus is of the assumption that what the rabbis teach is also what Moses taught. Does he believe this? Does he not know that Talmudism is the repudiation of Moses? That rabbinism is the repudiation of Moses? Most Christians do not realize that rabbinism is the very traditions of the elders that both Yahshua and Paul condemned in the New Testament. Here is another rabbinical statement which suggests that what the good rabbi said is not to be taken literally. And let's from the Cambridge History of Judaism, quote, The term Assyrian refers to the Aramaic scripts and may be reminiscent of the fact that it was during the period of Assyrian domination that Aramaic script and language received official status. The use of the Assyria Grammata by Greek writers has a similar origin. So, the Cambridge History of Judaism says the exact opposite of what the rabbi says and what Antiochus falsely believes, that Aramaic derives from Assyrian and Hebrew derives from Assyrian. No, it's the other way around. Assyrian is Aramaic. The Assyrians adopted the Aramaic language, not vice versa. Continuing with my commentary here. So we can see that Antiochus has made a major mistake about the language of the Hebrews and of the Bible being written in Assyrian script. No biblical commentator should ever take a rabbinical pronouncement at face value. He should have done more research. But of course, he's a Judeo-Christian, so he's not going to. Furthermore, the correct historical situation, as the Cambridge Statement implies, is that the Assyrians adopted Aramaic, not vice versa. So anti-Yahwist 
had the situation backwards. I repeat, this document, which I'm critiquing, has been taken as gospel by many people in non-seedline identity. I know many of these people personally. This is a really sad situation. Number four, the Judahites in Babylon were out of necessity forced to adopt Aramaic, but they were not forced to give up Hebrew. They simply picked up Aramaic as a second language because they had to have social intercourse with the Babylonians. After 70 years of captivity, the common people of Judah forgot Hebrew, but the Judahite leadership such as Ezra and Nehemiah were still fluent in Hebrew. Here is another account. This is from a, a website, Why Were the Jews Exiled to Babylon? Or, of course, they assume it's Jews instead of Judahites. The Jews, sick Judahites, sent into exile remained as a single group, which helped them preserve their cultural identity by living in their community in Babylon until being finally allowed to return home in 538-539 B.C., so they were held as a, a, a kind of a herd, right? They weren't intermingling with the Babylonians to any great extent, but they had to in terms of commerce. And I'm sure they were they were neighbors to uh, Babylonians at the fringes of the Judahite community. At the time when the Persians overthrew the Chaldeans, the exile period had a profound and long-lasting influence on the Judahites' development outside their homeland. Ancient sources confirm that some of the Judahite population adopted, that some, the author says some, not all, of the Judahite population adopted the Chaldean religion by giving names to their offspring after Chaldean deities, which our people do whenever we move to new locations. We forget our Hebrew roots and start talking Swahili. Generally, however, the community remained united in its common faith in Yahweh. So this other source totally contradicts what anti-Yahweh is saying. So I'm going to copy and paste this link into the chat rooms because you need to know that anti-Yahwist has not done very much research in compiling this argument, this 72-page argument. I am astounded that people take this seriously, given its actual total lack of non-Hebrew scholarship. I'm astounded. But that's the situation. So I'm going to put this into the two chat rooms here so you can read this for yourselves. Uh, for some reason, it's not uh, being, it's not posting as a hyperlink, which it should. It will do that in Telegram, however. So I'll post it into the Telegram chat room right now. Here it is. Okay, why were the Jews exiled to Babylon? Of course, the correct uh, assertion is why why were the Judahites exiled to Babylon? Okay, so let's continue. 
and I state these facts totally destroy anti-Yahweh's above assertion that quote the Israelites were forced to learn, speak, and write the Assyrian language and Assyrian script, which both the Assyrian Empire and the Babylonian Empire used. And my comment here is, so far, so bad. Number one, he has uncritically used a Kabad Lubavitcher source to believe that, to teach what he is teaching. And he has not accessed any contrary evidence for his presentation. And believe me, folks, the Internet is loaded with contrary evidence, none of which he goes to. Daniel 1.4 Children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans. What was the tongue of the Chaldeans? It was not common. And Daniel was not forced to learn it. And the Babylonians and the Aramaeans spoke a very similar language, which I'll get to next week. Okay, so... The Chaldean language is actually a reference not to the Assyrians. The Chaldeans were around long before the Assyrians. The Chaldeans were actually, as Daniel describes here, they were the astrologers, they were the sages, they were the wise men, so-called, of the ancient world in Mesopotamia. That's what they were. They were not Assyrians. And I insert the fact here, the fact that Daniel and other Israelites had to learn Chaldean is of little relevance, as it was similar to Aramaic. Okay, <laughs> Right? Antiochus is clearly asserting that Assyrian was the true language of the Bible. Can you believe it? Can you believe it, folks? That's what he is saying. Okay, I think I'll go into it here because I, I'm on a roll. My comment here against Antiochus is the fact that Daniel and other Israelites had to learn Chaldean is of little relevance as it was very similar to Aramaic. From the following Wikipedia article, it is evident that the Chaldean is just another form of Aramaic. And I quote, Unlike the East Semitic Akkadian-speaking Akkadians, Assyrians, and Babylonians, whose ancestors had been established in Mesopotamia, since at least the 30th century BC, the Chaldeans were not a native Mesopotamian people, but were late 10th or early 9th century BC West Semitic Levantine migrants. They came from the Mediterranean sea coast, from the West. Migrants to the southeastern corner of the region, who had played no part in the previous 3,000 years or so of Sumero, Akkadian, and Assyrio-Babylonian Mesopotamian civilization and history. So here we have another direct contradiction to what Antiochus is teaching. The ancient Chaldeans seem to have migrated into Mesopotamia sometime between 940 and 860 B.C. Very late in history, sir. Very late in history. 
a century or so after other new Semitic arrivals, the Aramaeans and the Sutians appeared in Babylonia circa 1100 BC. According to Rand Zadok, they, they first appear in written record in cylinder inscriptions of the king of Mari, Ashur Keta Lassir II, who was in fact an Assyrian, late 12th, early 11th century BC, which record them reaching Mesopotamia as early as the 11th century BC. They later appeared in the annals of the Assyrian king Shalmaneser III during the 850s BC. This was a period of weakness in Babylonia, and its ineffective native kings were unable to prevent new waves of semi-nomadic foreign peoples from invading and settling in the land. So this occurred after the Babylonian Empire became very, very weak, folks. Very weak. Now, are we expected to believe that Hebrew, which is the language that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob spoke, and their ancestors spoke, that Adam and Eve probably spoke, that Aram, a descendant of Eber, spoke a version of, are we ex- and, and the Assyrians who moved further away, are we expected to believe that Assyrian is an older language than Hebrew? This author has not done very good research, folks. Continuing with this quotation, this is from a Wikipedia article on Chaldea. Though belonging to the same West Semitic-speaking ethnic group and migrating from the same Levantine regions as the earlier arriving Aramaeans, they are to be differentiated. The Assyrian king Sennacherib, for example, carefully distinguishes them in his inscriptions, which Antiochists and the Kabad Lubavitchers do not. The Chaldeans were for a time able to keep their identity despite the dominant native Assyrio-Babylonian or Sumero-Akkadian-derived culture. Although, as was the case for the earlier Amorites, Kassites, and Sutians before them, by the time Babylon fell in 539 BC, perhaps before, the Chaldeans ceased to exist as a specific race of people. But Antiochus insists that the Assyrians gave the Judahites the language called Aramaic. Can you believe it? So my final commentary, because my commentary on this subject is very long, because it deserves a, a, a thorough discussion. So Antiochus' idea that either ancient or modern Hebrew script is of Assyrian origin is nothing but a Jewish fable. Yes, the Judahites, not Jews, who were the subject subject to Babylonian captivity, had to learn Aramaic. Yes, that's true. It was the Aramaic language that was brought back to Jerusalem by these Judahites. But the Aramaeans were cousins of the Hebrews, and Hebrew and Aramaic were very similar. They could understand each other. Not all of the Hebrews and Aramaeans could understand Chaldean, however. Ezra and Nehemiah still knew Hebrew fluently. This is confirmed by the Aramaic Targums, which are translations of the Paleo-Hebrew script into Aramaic for the benefit of the restored Israelites of Judah, who no longer understood Hebrew. Okay, I'm going to uh, finish it here for tonight. I will try to have... 
this article, my critique of anti-Yahwist uh, doctrine here, available so you can also read it. And you could check my sources versus his sources and see who provides the better sources. Okay? So, I'm going to conclude, conclude today's show. Let me check the uh, two chat rooms real quick before leaving. So, uh, okay, there's a... <laughs> okay, so there's not much uh, Freebird makes is talking about English. Uh, yeah, well, the Amish... English is a second language to the Amish, but uh, their basic language is German, right? So they came from Germany and had to learn English, but they still keep keep German. So I can I can uh, speak fluently with the Amish because of this. Okay. So and then in the uh, Telegram chat room, let me open the page here. Okay. So. There are four people in the Telegram chat room. If anybody has a question or comment up to this point on tonight's subject, please feel free to raise your hand. And I think Lily can unmute you too, if necessary. (laughs) Freebird says, that's cool. I don't understand them when they speak German. I do. Because German is actually my native language, okay? Many people don't know. I was actually born in Germany, came to America when I was four and a half years old. Being bilingual is a tremendous advantage in studying linguistics because it shows you, it demonstrates to you how difficult it is to translate from one language to another. It's an extremely arduous task. So you have to respect the work done by linguists, theologians, you know, who try, who, even the King James Translation Committee, that what an arduous task it is to translate from a pretty much dead language, namely Hebrew, into English. But unfortunately, they were using the Masoretic text, which is a redacted version, heavily influenced by the rabbinate, <coughs> to translate the Old Testament. Far better translations come from the Septuagint, which is 1,300 years older and which is actually quoted in the New Testament. You cannot say the same for the Masoretic text. Okay. Okay, folks. So uh, it looks like there aren't any questions or comments at this point. And uh, I need to wet my whistle. Okay. Uh, Okay. Uh, Who is speaking? Uh, Boo-boo? I think it's Boo-boo. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Hi there, Boo-Boo. Hello, sir. Um, actually, I wanted to approach you about the DM I sent you earlier. We're in need of a spiritual leader. Okay. Hey, Eli, mute yourself while oh, she's talking. Uh, I got you. I got you. Thank you. I'll do that. Okay, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Boo-Boo. I'll mute myself Boo-Boo, while you're talking. Yeah. We couldn't hear you because we were getting too much feedback. Gotcha. Um, About the DM I sent you earlier, that invitation is because we are looking for a spiritual leader who is just that, a spiritual leader to kind of help out with the leaders amongst the movement. Okay. And we really think that you would be a fit. We would like for you to be a fit for that and uh, bring some spirituality to uh, the rest of the WN groups. Okay. 
So uh, what are the WN uh, white nationalists? Is that what you mean? Or BM? Okay, hold on. Uh, what, uh, what groups are those? Uh, uh, white nationalists, you're saying? Yes, sir. Okay, yeah. Yes, sir, very much. We see it this way. People cannot exist as a people without spirituality. We oh. have all the other leaders we need except for a spiritual leader. Okay. And we turn to you. Okay, well, I, yeah, I, I, I would certainly accept such a position. I, I currently do that with the Aryan Freedom Network in uh, Texas, who have branches pretty much all over the, you know, from Texas to the east. Uh, not so much to the west for some reason. I guess because California, <laughs> Arizona, the west coast are all pretty much dying, right? So, yeah, okay. California. Yeah. So let me just say, put it this way. Uh, go ahead. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. So, um, uh, actually, AFN is in this group as well. Oh, okay. Very good. So, uh, yeah, I, I would love to. And uh, one, of the yeah, one of the reasons I moved to Harrison, Arkansas, is because I know there are more identity people and white nationals down here than up in Illinois, uh, you know, and other parts of the country. So I would absolutely love to do that. So um, maybe, Lily, if you, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know if I got your um, email last time because uh, you had mentioned this before that, um, you know, my email address is elijames at att.net. I may have missed it or I might have gone into spam. So if you will send me an email. I'm going to pick the end here. Okay. All right, uh, so. Um, yeah, okay. So, so yeah, go ahead and send it to elijames at att.net. I'll mute myself and you can uh, you know, make another comment if you care to. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I just want to say, you know, um, I'll be your neighbor hopefully pretty soon, either through living there in Harrison, moving from where I am in NWA okay. to Harrison, or um, just on the other side of Omaha. I'm hoping to uh, win a land auction on the first estate land auction for 23.55 acres. And I've already told Sheila Wall, and I plan on telling Pastor Rob and his people as well that, when we move to that land, if we get it, my husband and I only want like the first five, ten acres. After that, the back end of it is going to be for use of Pastor Rob's group and also for Billy's group for hunting, for planting crops, you know, whatever needs to be done, communal use. If, you know, you need it to have a revival out there, that would be fine with us. Okay, very good. Actually, I'm I'm planning on attending Pastor Rob's next meeting, which the Aryan Freedom Network has been invited to speak at. Okay, uh, I'm not sure exactly when that is. It's gonna oh, it's gonna be on Labor Day, Labor Day weekend. Okay, so I can uh, relay. Uh, it sounds like you're in touch with Pastor Rob anyway. So, but definitely, yeah, it sounds like yeah, we need to start coordinating this movement against the enemy we need to do that desperately and uh, I, I think we do this with brotherly love with a proper biblical and racial teaching because the bible is a racial book and uh, we can uh, transmit this information to more and more white christian israelites who definitely need to hear it okay okay thank you boo, -boo. i really appreciate that 
Okay, anybody else in the chat room want to speak up? Yeah, I was I was hoping that uh, uh, the uh, the Irish guy would be in the chat room because he was talking about arranging an interview with his group in Ireland, which I would love to do also. But uh, uh, Miles, Miles, he, Miles is not in the chat room today. But uh, Lily told me that he contacted her. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, I'm sorry. I accidentally burnt my phone. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Very good. Okay. okay. I, Eli, I sent Miles uh-huh. uh invite and he said that he was going to join us, but he was busy at the moment, but I guess he never got a chance to uh, get done with whatever he was doing. And the guy in Ireland, it's like six, it's what, what is um, nine now? And he's like six hours ahead of us. So it's like two or three in the morning. <laughs> so I, I could see why he didn't join us. Maybe he'll join us in the in the morning. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Okay. Thank you, Lily. Okay. Thank you, Boo Boo. Uh, you know, I really want to see this movement grow. It's what my life is all about. And, uh, you know, and, and you know, I, unlike most, even in identity, uh, most other people do not really want to engage, you know, the general public, right? Even though I've been a public speaker for the Klan, for white nationalists, you know, for over, well, 23 years now, okay? And so I've been out there. I want to continue being out there. I'm not just a, a an internet, uh, you know, what do you call it, warrior, <laughs> an internet warrior. I want to be out there in the trenches, you know, w- with my people. That, that's what I want to do. And so I appreciate that, Boo Boo. And uh, Lily, thanks for arranging that with Miles. Okay, so somebody, Serpent's Rain. I'm an anti-natalist. Why lie? What does that mean? I'm not sure what... uh, Somebody just joined in the uh, Telegram chat room saying I'm an anti-natalist. Not sure what that means. Okay. So if you want to... I don't know if uh, he calls himself tea serpents or is that a tea or what? Okay. Or it could be a golf tea. (laughs) Serpent's reign, so I'm not sure. Okay. Okay, so uh, yeah, that person can unmute himself or herself if, if necessary. But otherwise, uh, I'm uh, yeah, a new person. Yeah, a new person just came into Telegram uh, trying to engage that person. But he, he typed a message, but... Uh, oh, here we go. Okay. Yeah, Serpent's reign. Go ahead. I'll mute myself so we can hear you. Okay. I think he needs to be. Okay, he was. He uh, let me. Uh... I just un- un- allowed him to speak, so he should okay. be able to um, help now. Yeah, he should be, but now I see he's muted again. So let me try unmuting him. Maybe he doesn't want to talk. <laughs> right. Right. I, I was hey, say how's it going? Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Oh, he he moved. Is my microphone ahead, working? I'm not sure it was. It's it's working now. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just here to listen to the conversation in the chat room. That's about oh. it. Oh. If there was a question, uh, yeah, yeah I wasn't well, really paying attention to well. 
Okay, yeah, because we just had an hour and a half show, uh, you know, which uh, we're basing questions and comments on. So, uh, you know, that's pretty much what we're doing right now, you know. So we do this every Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. Uh, Central Time. And so feel free to join us next week, okay? Absolutely. All right? Absolutely. Okay, thank you. All right, uh, Lily, one question for you. Uh, are we still getting? Are you still getting feedback from me while other people are talking, while my mic is live, or that go away? No, if you don't mute your. Okay. All right. So if I don't mute myself, it, it continues to get distorted. Okay. Someone's done talking before Understood. you unmute your mic. Yeah. Okay. So I'll just have to get into the habit of inviting people to speak and then uh, un- unmuting myself or muting myself rather. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks, Lily. Thank Boo Boo. Thank you. Serpents rain. Yes, they do rain <laughs> in the world today. There's no doubt about it. Thank you, Freebird, and everybody else in the year. Oh, Elon. Yeah. Eli, before you hang up, let, let's ask um, Serpent, what is a anti-natalist? Natalist. What, what is that? I'm curious. Okay. Well, basically, um, and it's not so much my belief, it's kind of a misanthropic dark joke and i'm really more into the black pilled community than anything else um okay. and i i entertained uh the idea of human extinction and i just looked it up and it's basically a anti um procreation movement and i don't necessarily disagree with that but i would say the earth in general would be a lot better with a few less billion people <laughs> okay uh, okay. Well, yeah, that, uh, well, that would fit in with the agenda of the, um, you know, the, the new world order because they want to decrease our population and, uh, but there's only, well, they, you know, yeah, go ahead. it's not just, it's not really against, um, like I understand you um, this is probably white nationalist, um, um, obviously Eurofolk um, radio that that's no brainer and I'm in support of white nationalism as in I'm support for every individualist uh, not individualist but every uh, race to be on their own in their own continents with their own people and allowed to uh, procreate as much as they want and advanced as long as they act like good people you know and the anti-natalist part is really just sort of against the uh just the human trash that is around us okay and i understand about you know uh the new world order and you know the zionist uh wanting you know everything to be subservient to israel and they want um all racial nations to die out in order to uh be basically they want stupid it's not so much they want to destroy the white race what a lot of these people are trying to do is just to create a vast majority uh, of stupid low-end people, and they think like mixing genes and promoting homosexuality is going to uh, accelerate that um, yeah. population. Okay, very good. You're espousing the very doctrines that we preach. Okay. System dry. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Outstanding. Uh, the, there's very little you just said that I don't agree with. Okay, so okay, all right, okay, so uh, I'm gonna call it a night. 
Uh, and because uh, it's like going on two hours, I'm getting a little hoarse. But thank you for your input. Very much appreciated. Okay. All right. Uh, Lily, thanks for yeah, bringing. Yeah, it sounds like people really, um, like the identity doctrine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the races should be separated and live on their own continents. That's what we teach, right? Okay. Amen. But the Jews won't let us do that, right? So here we are. Okay. Very good. A very great uh, fellowship tonight. And uh, I, I look forward to doing part two of this subject next week. Thank you all for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. Take care, everybody. And we're going to play the theme music. Take care. Bye-bye. Yahweh bless. Bye-bye. Yahweh bless. Free people will never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Praise Yahweh and pass the ammunition. The Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli J.